Hey, what's going on? This is James Matthew, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams Podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 149 of Chasing Dreams. This episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters, for whom I am eternally grateful for. For more information on our Patreon campaign, and or if you'd like to donate a dollar a month to help keep the show going, and you can stop at any time, you can learn more at amyj21.com slash Patreon. Guys, I am so stoked for this penultimate episode. I can't wait for you to listen. You know, I'm just so so stoked because number 149 is family. And so I want you to meet my nephew, James Matthew, who is a rising sophomore at Harvard College, pursuing a degree in sociology and global health and health policy. Raised in Hinsdale, Illinois, a fortunate suburb of Chicago, James grew up in a paradoxical environment. His identity as a first-generation Indian American informs his politics and fuels his passion for social impact, empathy, and diversity. His most notable endeavors to date are Got Food, a smartphone application that curbs the effects of domestic hunger, and 21 Colorful Crimson, a Harvard-based music group that advocates for a more inclusive America while pursuing professional success. And so James is staying with my family for the summer while he interns in D.C. And, you know, we got to talking and I was aware of what he was doing and I just thought he has to come on the show because not just him, but his group, uh, they're doing some amazing things and you guys should hear about it and how even at such a young age, he is doing what he is passionate about. And so let me, let me stop talking. You guys got to meet James. Okay. So here it is. Hey James, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am so stoked. I, guys, you're meeting more of my family more and more. <laughs> James is my nephew. He's here. In the studio, which is exciting because I, I don't get to record live very often. Right. So this is an exciting time. You get to be in the studio, the second one in the office studio, which is cool. And why don't why don't we talk a little bit? Because we've been family for over 19 years, 20 years? Mm -hmm. 19. So, 19. So, yeah. Yeah. 19 years. And I've seen you grow up and you are doing some amazing things at Harvard. And you have some amazing goals. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, was something I'm curious about because, you know, for Indians in particular, it's kind of a rigid idea of what we're going to do. Yes, right? often. Yeah. It changes with, with generations. I think it's slowly changing. Right. But, you know, did you face that? Did you face that with your family where they expected you to do a specific role? Mm-hmm. You know, what I think is interesting, because I think so often for Indians and people in our community, kids in our community, it is often the family that is holding them to those stereotypes, if you will, expectations. Um, for me, I think I had the privilege of, at least in the sense of my family, not being too strictly held to um, fulfill a certain path. But I would say, um, 
in my community growing up, kind of from people outside of my house, there was some of that just because, you know, I got good grades and I, in us from a certain light, looked a lot like the Indian stereotype. You know, I was pretty mm-hmm. good in math and pretty good in science. And so, you hit the checkboxes. Right, right. And, and, and when you do, you tend to get um, pigeonholed. And, and so that's something that I experienced growing up. It was a lot of assumptions that I was going to be a doctor. I'd say it didn't help, I guess, that my mom was a doctor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, it was kind of the natural, um, just a, na- a natural assumption that people would make. Um, but what I will say to that point is that in the house, between my mom, my dad, um, Amichi, my, my grandma, and and uh, even Phil, you know, there wasn't really one path that I had to fulfill. My mom, being the doctor, had always said, you know, you, I don't need you to do medicine. Whatever you want to do, go for it. You find, you find what you're passionate about. So that's interesting because I was going to ask, do you think, because you said the outside culture was the one that was more, more or less trying to pigeonhole you. Mm-hmm. Do you think consciously your parents were trying to fight against that? That's really interesting. I, and I've never thought about that, but it could be because I know my, um, my parents are very attuned to, um, to circumstances like that. And, and I'm sure if they picked that up, then they would have done exactly that. They would have tried to make me feel like I didn't have to go just down that one path. So that's really possible. Yeah. I mean, cause at the same time you did do things that, you know, as you said, you checked the boxes, yeah, right. But, but one of the things you also checked off is musical talent, right? Right. You, well, you, your dad's very talented. Yes, he is. With, with music. Yes, so, Sasha, so if you're listening, I, <laughs> I think you're talented. Um, and so you and Phil don't fall far from the street. Right. We got those genes. Yeah. Was that something, though, that you enjoyed? Or did, was that something your parents kind of wanted you to kind of test out and feel out? And, you know, if it didn't that take, then it didn't take. But was that something you enjoyed or was that kind of forced? I think um, so. There was one aspect of music in my life that was forced. And that was just at the very beginning. It was classical piano lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom, uh, she tells me, had wanted that for her kids since she was kind of a, a young adult, just because she, um, you know, being coming from another country, not having much at all when she started up here, uh, didn't have that privilege to get instrument lessons. And so she had wanted that for her kids. So when I was four or five, something really young. You, you were young. I remember a video. <laughs> yeah. And and so I got thrown into to the lessons, uh, the recitals, the competitions, and really did that and enjoyed it for a pretty long time. Um, I eventually started to lose interest um, just because I think I did it so much, it started to become a chore more than mm-hmm. something enjoyable, which I think is common um, the more um, you kind of try and train something. But other than that, I think the rest that I've done with music, whether it was kind of picking up the guitar, using my foundation with piano, or then adding mu- uh, voice and, and singing to then you know try and do some different performances with my brother at different, you know, it was family weddings and it was talent shows and it was just kind of events here and there. That all was just sheer passion. And that was just me really loving um, music as, uh, honestly, to, to reference my early point, earlier point, I think the reason why I loved it the most was that it was defying stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, in me, in doing that, my brother and I, in, in doing music, um, was something that always, you know, could surprise a crowd because they just didn't expect that from us. And so that was something that I also enjoyed it for. So as you were growing up, 
and you're defining these stereotypes, you're checking off the boxes at the same, at the time, same time, right? Which is so you're doing both. Exactly. Were the people around you, your friends, yeah. do you think they were facing the same thing? Did you guys talk about that? You know, we didn't talk too much about that. Growing up, I didn't have too many conversations like this. And I think that was a product just of um, how homogenous my community was. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very, um, there There weren't many minorities. And so with that being said, you know, I had a, a really close friend of mine um, who I had known since kindergarten living across the street from me, who was East Asian, he was Korean. And so we would sometimes talk about these kind of things in terms of how stereotypes are kind of thrown on sure. us, especially in a place where there's very few of us. Um, and while, and at a place where ignorance can be high, not out of any male- um, you know, malicious reason, but I think just when people don't see people who aren't like them, they don't have the opportunity to inform themselves about people who are different. And so ignorance, I think um, at certain cases, can kind of get born out of just not having contact with people who are different. And That's very true. Yeah. And and so with that, the short answer is no. I, I didn't really have too many conversations like this growing up. I would say it's only been in college that I've had the opportunity to talk about these kind of things. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Definitely. But before we get there, you know, with the idea that you're defying stereotypes and at the same time checking boxes off, right? Because that's it's a very unique position to be in, yeah. right? It seems like it would give you a little bit more freedom, especially when you have a supportive family as you do. Yeah. Did you know what you want to be or do you know what you want to do in the future? I think um, for a long time, I've wanted to help people. I think that's been a driving theme, a driving mission um, and I think I would even say, I think it's a calling of mine that, that I've experienced. Um, and I say that, I, I think the reason why that mission shaped itself in my life, uh, is largely due to others reception and, and kind of be attitude toward me. I think since a young age, I was, you know, always blessed to get different leadership roles in school and it, and it would happen really regularly, whether it was a class project or whether it was on the soccer field or, um, you know, in, in just different areas of my life, um, people would kind of task me with leading the group. And I think that the reason that usually was is because they trusted me to put others benefit over my own and, and to kind of lead by example and set, um, just, just a good tone for what a group should be doing, what a group should be about. And so with that, it started to shape my own aspirations. I said, yeah, you know, if people seem to trust me, if they seem to like me in leadership roles, I just want to use that leadership to then in turn help those who are entrusting me with it. And so I think that's, that's something that defines what I want to do. Um, I would say long term, I would love to commit my life to public service, whatever that looks like. Um, and, and so that's kind of where I'm at now. It's it's looking for professions or places I can take myself where I can help others. What's interesting is, is that you've kept it. Now, I don't want to say generic because that seems to kind of really make it bland, but you've kept it general. Yeah. Right. In the sense of public service, helping others mm-hmm. um, in whatever form that may be. Right. And so. It seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you're very open to different avenues and you haven't necessarily settled on one, whether it be politics, medicine, uh, law, what have you. Because, you know, our family does have a a slew of all those professions. So they're all, you know, formidable and and well worth 
careers. Right. But is there one you're leaning towards or you're just kind of testing out the waters, so to speak? I think I even take it the other way in terms of the reason why me keeping it general, I think, is not so much so that I can then narrow it down to one when I get more information. But I think subconsciously or, you know, maybe consciously as I've thought more about it getting older, I think I keep it general because I don't see a, a reason for me to only do one. Oh, to be honest, I think there is, you know, enough years in a professional career. If you, if you play cards, right, where um, I could maybe find myself in multiple of like, for example, those jobs that you just listed. I think that um, it's, I don't want to be confined to one area um, because I think that, you know, the more spaces that you get to work in, again, just the more people that you're, you have the privilege of helping. And that's not to say you're trying to get into all three, or maybe you are, but the fact that why put a limit upon yourself before you even get there? That's, that's, yeah, that's my thinking. So, Let's go back to what you said earlier, because you talked about um, how you grew up in a hom- homogenous neighborhood, yes. right? And kind of had that growing up. And here you are at Harvard, and you've made a name, not just for yourself, but for a group of friends mm. to come together and do something amazing. And guys, the the link for their song and, and all their information will be on the show notes page, so you can find it there. But let's talk 21CC. Let's do it. 21CC, when you... When people come up with bands mm-hmm. and groups, yeah. they are usually under 10 fingers <laughs> in terms of members. Yeah, fair enough. And sometimes garages <laughs> is when they practice yeah. and get that together. You have, sir, congratulations, defied the stereotypes <laughs> and not only didn't practice in a garage, uh, but also have 21 members yeah. in this group. Yes, we do. I don't even think we can call it a band. Uh, this group, yeah, musical group, mm-hmm. very talented, right? And that was just from the Harvard video that highlighted and profiled your your group. But how did this come about? Let's talk a little bit about that. Where did Twenty One CC even come from? Definitely, sure. Um, so Twenty One CC, which stands for Twenty One Colorful Crimson, was born out of a couple things, I would say. So. The first one being a a desire to carry over my passion for music that I had had, like I, I talked about briefly, like I had had growing up, uh, whether it was piano or guitar or music uh, or voice, just some kind of music performance um, is what that I is really what I grew up loving. Um, and it was always an outlet for me, um, even from academics and from other more stressful things. It was what I loved and what was enjoyable. And so when I got to Harvard, knowing that you know the academic rigor was definitely going to be there and there was going to be a lot of potential stressors, I really want to find a place to make music and to, to continue that. Um, and what I also wanted to do, um, and which Harvard gave me the agency to do, is embrace my very diverse class of uh, of peers. Um, so what's really interesting, actually, is that my class, the Harvard's class of 2021, is the first to not have a racial or ethnic majority, meaning that it's a it's kind of a class full of minorities. In, in a so so with that, um, I think there's there's been a lot of opportunities for us to have conversations about what it means to be in a diverse environment, and also 
take action on how do we capitalize on this diverse environment that's being handed to us. And so 21CC was um, an example or it was an effort made to capitalize on the diversity of the class. Um, and so just diagnosing the name, the 21 stands for the class of 2021, mm-hmm. which we all belong to, all the members belong to. It's also um, stands for the number of members in the group, which you alluded to. So it's 21 members. Uh, Crimson is Harvard Crimson. So that just gives a little credit to the place that brought us all together and the place that we love going to school. And the colorful in the center there, um, rightfully so, because we consider it the most important piece of the group, of the name. And that is that we are all from very different backgrounds. We all look different. Um, you know, we all have different narratives, but we come together around something that we really love, which is making music. And um, we find a way to overlook many of the divisions that society kind of throws upon us. Sure. And we reject, we reject those divisions um, for the sake of music and, and unity. So before we go to the, to the group part, was there ever a fear on your part sure. of just like classical piano of being burned out, hmm. of it becoming a chore? Especially now that you're you kind of formalized a group, yeah, there's a little pressure there, right? Yeah, and and that's interesting that you asked that because so far, luckily, it hasn't become one. Uh, I don't look at it like a a chore. Um, but now that we are doing some formal things where there are deadlines, you know, we we need X amount of songs by this date. You know, we really need to record this video. It does start to um, treat itself like a job um, in in certain aspects, and so. I hope it never turns into that. And I think that the group element helps it not because I'm surrounded by friends and people that I really enjoy spending time with doing this alongside with me. Uh, and so it's it's less um, likely for me to get burned out, I think, just because there's so much passion and enjoyment within the group. But um, but that's a really interesting point that you bring up um, because it, it did happen with piano. And I, you know, I hope that it doesn't with this. And how do you balance your schoolwork yeah. with this because um i know your family <laughs> yes i know where you come from of course uh high standards high standards is, is something that not only we hold but i know that you hold that as well definitely for yourself um especially with you what you're trying to do in life you know where does that fall in terms of kind of 21 cc all the activities you're doing maybe you have hobbies i don't know yeah what's that like yeah definitely that uh one of the most uh, quickly asked questions when we tell people about this group is, "How do you guys, you know, go to class?" And, and um, valid question. And, and what's funny is, I think that we have such little problem multitasking and and scheduling around um, making sure that we're able to have rehearsals and and you know have studio sessions again because it's something that we enjoy and it's the opposite of a chore. It's the opposite of homework, you know? So where, where we might um, be having a, a late night study session um, for a test and really dreading it, we never dread a late night studio session, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so uh, I think that, yes, sometimes we get less sleep and there's only a, a given amount of hours in the day. So you do have to make some sacrifices and some compromises when deadlines come up. Um but again, even if we're at the studio um, early into the, the morning hours, um, no one's complaining, which is really which is really cool actually that 
that people are just so happy to be there and do what we love. How late are we talking? Late night studio session. Oh my gosh. No, we've had um we've had some three three thirty AMs. The we it gets yeah, it's but when, when you say you're passionate about it, you guys yeah. have to be passionate about it if you're staying up that late. You have to. So what was the need for, well, let's talk a little bit about how you found 21 people. I mean, sure. did you go and hand out flyers? I mean, was there a need to formalize the group the way you did? I mean, what was yeah. your thought? And are you alone in founding 21CC or how did that look? What was the beginnings? Yeah, sure. So um, when I, I had this idea. Um, it was actually during first semester, and that was to formalize um, something that had, we had already been doing very casually. So with a group of friends, it was pretty common for us, whether we were at the dining hall or kind of in Harvard Yard, uh, a very casual place where you can pull over chairs and hang out with friends, we would just start singing and we would just start making music. And um, what I would notice is that people would kind of gather around, you know, whether it was other classmates or even tourists in the area, they would kind of gather around and listen. And that planted the seed um, for what then became 21CC because it showed that, you know, one, we were talented and others would enjoy something like this. And so when I had the name, it was actually over winter break. It was in um, kind of late December, early January when I was like, I think 21 Colorful Crimson you know, is it 21CC was was going to be what we should call this. And so... Well, wait. So at that time, did you know you were going to hire or find 21 people? No. So um, 21 at the onset was just uh, for the class year. Mm -hmm. That's a good point that you mentioned it. Because at the beginning, we weren't sure how many people would even be interested in something like this, you know? And you just don't know how people are going to receive an idea. And so 21 was not yet the designated number of members. But, you know, I reached out to kind of the other members, close friends of mine who have really helped me put this on. So um, my co-founder is uh, a friend of mine, Olivia Owens. And then we reached out to... Um, our friend Jasmine Hippolyte and then Samira Miller, um, just these these people, friends of mine who are going to help me get this project off the ground. And then what we did um, was put together an Google form, a Google form application and put it into our Harvard Class of 2021 Facebook group, which has kind of been the one way um, for the whole class to communicate. Um, so credit, you know, credit to social media. You mentioned flyers. You know, if it was any year before this one, you know, we might have to do flyers. But but just being in the time that we are now, we were able to, um, you know, take advantage of Facebook and then got a whole bunch of responses from people that we knew, um, friends of mine that I already had and people I didn't know. Uh, and then the four of us sat down in a room one Saturday afternoon and listened to all these applications, um, read some applications as well. I should, I should mention that not all of our members are musicians. So there okay. are, out of the 21, two-thirds, so 14 people do some kind of music role, whether it's singing or producing um, or rapping. And the other seven are um, either in visual art space, so they'll do film or photography for us, or they're in um, the business space where they'll do marketing and, and social media and outreach and those kind of things. So so there was reviewing some of those applications as well. And then we found ourselves with more applications than we had anticipated. And with that, 
um, when we started to find ourselves around the number 21, you know, kind of with, with 23 people we really liked, kind of 24 in that area, we were like, okay, now that we're kind of around this number of 21, that'd be a pretty cool double meeting in the name if there was, in fact, 21 people. Let's see if we can narrow this down to 21 individuals. And that's exactly what we did. And so, um, you know, all, all credit also goes to um, those friends of mine that helped me get this going. Um, because I know how hard it is sometimes to just believe in an idea. You know, when you come to people with just a concept, and I've had this experience with some other things I've created in the past, you can't fault someone for not initially buying in or believing that it's going to be as successful as you think it is going to be. And, I mean, you know that when you started this show, I'm sure. You you just don't know uh, how well it's going to work. And then... Um, you know, I think the best is when gradually people start to see the results and they start to get it. They start to understand the vision and understand the potential. Um, but those, those three people, you know, didn't even need any proof. And so I'm really thankful for that, that I came with this idea and they said, let's do it. And so, and, and they hopped on. So with what I love most about this one, besides the fact that these people, you know, believed without seeing. Yeah. Right. Which is big. Which is huge. Yeah. Your group is not just diverse mm-hmm. in terms of race. Exactly. It's diverse in terms of practicality, specialties. Exactly. And all of them, all of you guys, yeah. seem to be passionate around the message of what 21CC stands for and the songs you write. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is amazing because it's hard to get, like you said, two or three people to buy in. Yeah. You got 21 people to buy in, and now you're getting more and more through your first song. Right. How You Gonna Hate? Right. Which was, I love the song. Thank you. I do. I'm biased, but, you know, the song is on the link. You listen to it <laughs> and tell me you're, it's not good. I dare you. <laughs> so, you know, there is that. But, you know, the fact that you all came together to put this together, yeah. right, without necessarily formal experience, different backgrounds, different some newbies, some professionals, some, exactly. you know, and still came out with this quality song that you performed, mm-hmm. right? You guys have dance moves. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, because yeah. probably one of your people is a choreographer. One or two we have that, that are capable of, of making a, a, a routine for the group. Yeah, yeah I'm not surprised. And, yeah. and, and the fact that you're helping these individuals chase their own dreams. Exactly. Right? It, and it's like, it doesn't matter that everyone's diverse. You all are helping one another. Right. And that is amazing to me. Right. Did you think that that's what you were doing when you first did this? Let's, let's I was break it down for just me. just about to say that I didn't. Um, I didn't think that people, members, were going to get as much self-fulfillment and see as much individual growth um, that they are currently. Um, you know, I, I have friends in the group who had never stepped on stage before, you know, did music very well, very talented, obviously, but did it in their mirror, you know, did it in the shower, seriously. And it's a surprise to a lot of audience members when they see these guys that they've never been on stage before. But believe it or not, you know, there's a few people who were just really shy or just had never had the opportunity to do it. Um, and, And this group gave them the opportunity to do so. Um, and I love also hearing from the people who aren't on the music end. Um, and I love hearing from them 
how they value the group and how they love the way in which they're contributing. Even though music is the center of the group and music is on paper what we do, there's a lot more that goes into our success. And those members know that they're playing an important part, which means a lot to me. Because I think anytime that you're leading something, you need to make sure that all the people that are working with you um, feel like they have a purpose and feel like they're contributing. And I, I believe that all our members do feel that way and that they really do get something special out of just being a member of the group. And this is, you said, uh, winter break. You kind of came up with this, started yeah. formalizing. So it's about what? This is July 2018. Yeah, it's about half a year old. Half a year about, old, six, yeah. six, maybe seven months yeah. since inception of Idea. Yeah. So very quickly, you got yeah. your first single out. Yeah. Right? You've, you've already had performances. You have... Uh, performances probably scheduled already for upcoming we do yeah, yeah there you go and so you didn't have professional recording background right no you didn't have hey this is how you make a star american idol there's a guide a mentor no so how do you figure that out yeah yeah so um i think one um thing that really helped with that was the fact that in 21 people like you said everyone is bringing a different skill set and also everyone's bringing a different experience level so there were a few notable people in the group who had been in a studio before who had done some recording on their own and it was a- and were able to lend that expertise to us um which really helped which which really helped a lot of us um with the- with that learning curve um, but that, that being said, there was a learning curve, you know, there was definitely a, a long period where we would go in the studio and we weren't even too much worried about recording the song, getting a song out on Spotify. We were just trying to navigate the space and we were like, you know, how to, where's the record button? How do we you know slice this part and put it here? Like really fundamental learning, mm-hmm. um, because we didn't take a class for it. You know, we just hopped in, um, and all you know, all thanks to Harvard for giving us a studio um, free of charge, actually for their students, which has been a huge resource. But we we just went into the studio and tried to f- learn what we were doing and tried to figure it out. And with those more experienced members leading the charge, uh, we we kind of just came around and and eventually figured out what we were doing. So it's more. It sounds it's very Sister Act like. By the way, it's it's ha- wait. Have you seen Sister Act too? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> One, I have done a disservice oh, to you goodness. as your Chechi, an older sister, and I have to rectify that to my listeners. <laughs> I apologize for this lapse in education. I'm I will informed. fix it. For those listening, though, this is a total Sister Act 2 moment. It's a compliment. It is. Okay. We're going to rectify that later. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so what what I'm saying because of this learning moment is, you guys are helping one another. Definitely. Right? You're, you're not only kind of building each other's dreams, but you're coming together. And I'm very big on community helping one another to kind of lift, uplift each other. And it sounds like you guys are doing that regardless. Now, you guys are performing as 21CC. Do you, are the members still doing their own thing separately? Some are, yeah. So um, we have a few members, um, some rappers in the group who will still work on some material and you know put out the occasional song. We have some producers in the group who will put out beats that they've made. Um, some singers that will post videos of them doing some some you know stuff on their on their Instagram and on their YouTube's and stuff. And um, and I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, I know sometimes people um, you know have issue with members of a group 
pursuing individual things because it can sometimes look like they're not about the group. But just from my personal experience, and I know because I know these individuals so well um, in the group, I know that it's not that. If anything, um, when they get some credit for their individual stuff, they often have a tendency of kind of shining the light back on the group and using some of that individual attention they get to direct it toward what the group's doing, uh, which is really cool of of our members to do. Um, but yes, you know, people just because they're in the group doesn't mean that they're not doing anything else. People are still doing their their individual thing too. See, guys, you can you can do your own thing and be in a group. It's not always going to be the end sync effect, right? It's or fifth harmony, or like one direction. No, it can be it can be a healthy thing too. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, that's great that yeah. people can still kind of fly solo and do their own thing, right? And so you guys just started again six months, got another right. You have four. Some people may have five years left in their college education. Do you see it going all the way in that sense? I think at the beginning of this, I wasn't sure. Um, after, and I know it doesn't seem like a long time, but after these six months and some of the gigs that we were able to play and some of the attention that we've gotten, um, both from the university and now we're starting to get some attention outside even, um, I would definitely say yes. And I am pretty confident that all other 20 members would say yes too. Um, which I think is just a testament to how much people enjoy it and the potential that they see for it. Now, when you talk to your other members, yeah. right, you guys got such a diversity and such varying backgrounds, right? You probably have, and this is no offense, just examples of characteristics, right? You probably have uh, athletes, yeah. brainies, yeah. you know, uh, people who are crafty, mm-hmm. right? All these different backgrounds that people are bringing to the table, oh, yeah. right? So do they have visions the group that they've kind of talked to you about and said hey you know let's kind of get a clothing line i don't know you know things like that that kind of influence how you guys because there's 21 voices yes right how do you not go crazy with 21 opinions we have gone crazy oh fair enough okay and there you go and you know (laughs) um we with 21 voices recognize that 21 people can never agree perfectly um and it's never the idea, honestly. It's never our intent um, to to have everyone agree because part of being diverse um, is having diverse opinions and diverse perspectives that can better inform a collective perspective. And so that's something that we always really um, tune into is when someone has a suggestion or when two people even more have opposing suggestions, have opposing visions, um, we really focus in and we'll talk about it as a group, um, which, you know, what I'm alluding to is pretty regular, at least once a month, I would say, um, where we're getting the whole group in a room together, at least as many members as we can. You know, scheduling is always tough with 21 bodies, but uh, as many members as we can in a room to have these these conversations about concepts, about visions, big picture stuff, mm-hmm. about themes of the group. And with that, uh, we want to hear what people want. Uh, we want to hear where people disagree, and we want to kind of navigate all those things as a group together. So to dispel any rumors, you guys don't have sudden death matches or anything like that to d- make a decision? <sighs> no. Oh, that's a little bit of a bummer, I got to say. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. It's like dual at 10 paces, nothing? No, nothing nothing like that. We try and I mean, you can it do it friendly-like, oh, right? Fair enough. Fair enough, we could. But I think that... Um, 
you know, with with that being said, there have been some meetings where you know people got up from their chairs and people started to you know raise their voices a little bit, and and it's never from coming from a bad place. It really more so is coming from how passionate everyone is about sure. their craft and and this group that they want it to be perfect. And um, sometimes when they feel like they're not being heard or they think that a suggestion is being missed they can get pretty passionate in advocating for that that suggestion but with that being said you know we're a friend group more than anything you know we're a music group but we're also a group of friends which makes it really fun and which also kind of reminds us at the end of the day why we're doing what we're doing and how there's really nothing that is going to break us apart um that, that at least that we can foresee because it we're just close that we can get over any little fights Guess I was just hoping for some thumb wars or something, yeah. you know. I know, but that's okay. Yeah. It's still young. I think, <laughs> to be honest, I think what you guys are doing and how you resolve that is very. And it's I. I was going to say adult, but the thing is, even adults don't do that. True. It's very responsible and right. When I can't say adult, I'm like it's very big. It's mm-hmm. very um, important that yeah. you guys do it that way because I think sometimes. Things get resolved faster when you listen to one another. Definitely. Right? I mean, I that's agree. that's the interesting thing is your approach isn't one that's taken by a lot of people. I don't think so. No, at least from what I've seen, um, I've seen some collaborative spaces, right? Quote, unquote, collaborative that can be pretty passive aggressive. It can be my, my way or the highway. Yeah, it can be pretty hostile. And, and that's not what we try to do. You know, we're looking at collaboration in its sincere form of where you're listening um, honestly, when each member is listening more than they're talking, uh, and I think that's when we really get progress and, and can really make a difference with uh, dis- our effective decision making. So when you guys talk last, is there a vision that you can share that we can look forward to from seeing uh, with 21CC in the future? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so like you mentioned, so we have one single out currently, so that's how you're going to hate it's on, we were able to get on all the, all the streaming platforms. Like what? Um, like Apple music, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google play, um, all, you know, pretty much all those things that you can think of. We, we were able to check those boxes, um, YouTube as well. So we're excited for that, that it's out there for people to listen so we can actively share it. Um, so what's next is more music, of course. Um, we are we have some members actually that are doing things on campus this summer, so they have the opportunity to get into the studio and um, keep chipping away at different projects and different songs that we have in the works. Um, so more music is definitely a priority. Um, and with that, we recognize that um, just making music doesn't really guarantee that anyone's going to listen to that music. And that's really where the non-musician people come into the whole purpose and the the whole mission. Um, because the social media, you know, our, our, our outreach director and the, the person we have running the social media and the person we have doing the website and main, maintaining all that is also equally as important as the singer and rapper that's on the song. You know, because sure. because they are have the responsibility of advertising the song and creating our brand as a group as Twenty One Colorful Crimson, and so there's going to be a lot of that to look forward to. We're we're building our presence on social media, um, so I will say now, um, maybe remind people at the end too. But at the Twenty One CC is where you can find us on all those platforms, so like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. 
Um, and so that's something that we're chipping away at this summer and going forward. Um, and you have a website. And we do have a website, yes. So www.21colorfulcrimson.org is where you can learn more about the story, uh, where you can keep up to date on all the media we're putting out, whether it's music or videos or behind the scenes um, content. Um, I will also note that um, this is another question we get often is how do we fund this? Um, because as students, um, you know, on a student budget, most people know who, how that is in college, you know, you, yes. that's, that's a non-existent one to clarify. Our, yes. our budget is zero. So, so with that being said, um, one thing that we've recently created, um, we have a, a couple of platforms actually. So we both have, and we have both a, a GoFundMe page and a Patreon page. Okay. Um, basically, um, having set up the the one page before the other, we received feedback that certain people want to give in different ways. So mm -hmm. while some people might be inclined to be those regular donors and want to see more into the group, um, more more um, on on the wave of Patreon. Others, you know, don't want to have to commit to a regular schedule of giving. Yes. Um, and yeah. so with that, they prefer something like GoFundMe where they can give one time and support the group, certainly, and and uh, but then just not be tied down to further commitment. And so with that, um, we have pages on both those platforms open um, and any donations really go toward our artistic process and, and creating music and video content. Um, and also just in, in fulfilling our mission and, and furthering our mission to illustrate a diverse group and really a picture of what we want America to look like, um, which is not a society that's confined by these restrictions that, that we often hear about, um, in today's climate, especially, you know, with, with politics as they are, um, but a place where we can come together despite those things, despite that negativity, and really just live by love and really just come together. And guys, you guys can find all those links that he just mentioned on the show notes page. So if you're driving, keep driving. You can just look it up. <laughs> we'll get to you at the end of the episode. So James, before I let you go, and because you're so early on in this dream chase, right, but you're already seeing rewards from this, the, the hard work you're putting in, what is a lesson you have learned that you think other people should kind of be aware of as they chase their own dreams? I think the biggest lesson that I can take away so far um, is that, I, and I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but it's that um, expect people to not believe you at first. Um, because I think that's a really strong setback when you try to create something or when you try and step out of a box or you try and defy a stereotype is people aren't necessarily going to buy in right away, mostly because it's not been done. And that's the whole point of a, a dream. What makes it a dream is that it's not easily attainable. You do have to take some risks. You do have to challenge yourself. And so those around you are not always going to appreciate the process and the vision that you have in your mind. Um, but I think the biggest lesson that I've taken, I've taken away is despite what people might think or say initially, keep pushing. Um, because chances are, if you do dedicate enough hard work and time and persevere through it, that eventually those people who were uncertain initially are going to come around and they're going to see 
what you're doing um, the same way that you see it, and they're going to really appreciate it. So that's what I would say. Um, you know, chase your dream and be, uh, you know, chase it relentlessly. Don't don't ever stop. Is it fair to say that no one should believe in your dream more than you? I think that it's a huge blessing if someone does, but I think that it's just not likely that someone is going to, mm-hmm. um, because you know only you can be inside your own head, only you can truly see the vision for what it is. Um, and but with that being said, you know I think that there's no greater joy than realizing an idea, um, because when you see that that product or you see something, realize that you only had. Um, just a thought about, and now it's something real for everyone else to observe. It's it's really um, something beautiful. And so, if you're lucky enough to have someone who believes in it, uh, or have a group of people, I would even say like some of those founding members I talked about uh, were definitely people who who believed in it initially. But I'm still not sure. You 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 asked that question in an interesting way. I'm still not sure if they believed in it more than I did. I'm not sure if anyone did truly just because I knew what I wanted to do with it and um and you know tried to execute it as such. But but definitely um feel blessed and, and feel privileged if you do have people around you who are that supportive of you. That is awesome, James. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing the story behind 21 Colorful Crimson and we wish you guys the best, and I can't wait to see where you guys go with this. Thanks, Amy Chichi. Uh It was such an honor to be on your show. I've uh, thought about doing this for a long time, and uh, thank you for that. I hope that the group just goes up from here. Well, we will find out and keep track. That we will. And guys, that was my nephew, James Matthew. How incredible, right? It is. He is. I love it. You guys should definitely check out 21 Colorful Crimson, Check out the websites, check out the links, download their music legally and support them. They are doing some amazing things. It's only been six months. I can't wait to see where they're going. You can hear them here first. You learned about them here first, probably. Now go listen to them. Okay. You can find all the links that we mentioned on the show notes page over at amyj21.com slash episode 149. That's episode 149. Until next time, Dream Chasers, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at chasingdreamshq.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.